You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Got to talk about Gunbroker. Thank you, gunbroker.com for sponsoring Uncensored. You can go on Gun Broker. You can buy new guns. They have uh, stocking guns, stuffers. new guns, stocking stuffers. They 1911 stocking yeah, stuffers. that's right. Dude, it happens. Sometimes people, you know, where I'm from, I was actually going through Christmas photos. I was, uh, you know, my, my dog passed, and I was doing the thing where you, like, go through and pull all the photos ever taken of him so you can make a little album. And I, I got into some Christmas photos that were really funny. Of, of us posing with him as a puppy and it was the same year my dad got everybody pistols uh you know so it was like photos of i got hunter orange and then a blaze orange and then i there's like a photo of me holding the pistol so it does happen what sort of pistols did he get uh that one i got like a little 22 um they were just you know stocking stuff little, little stocking stuff for pistols you know what you do yeah, yeah. who doesn't get stocking? a little, a little Derringer. yeah i <laughs> always get 22 shells for christmas it's like my dad's thing like if if i and now we do stocking like we all get someone stocking instead of buying everybody gifts and even if my dad doesn't have me i still will expect to get like a hand of a box of 22 so nice it's just his thing can't beat him man i don't i never shoot 22 is the really funny thing. no i mean yeah, it's fun well no, i know i like it i just like i don't have anywhere to shoot up here unless i go to the uh-huh. range and i'm not like when we used to back home would um drive up to the slate dump or like which is like a cliffside that's kind of fallen down a little bit and that's where we'd shoot and we'd shoot stuff like that all the time but the last time i shot a 22 was squirrel hunting like eight years ago with my sister so i remember we were just talking about that the other day because i almost shot her in the head um yeah <laughs> Dick it was it, yeah <laughs> we, we and she, we were still arguing about whose fault it was uh because we we she had an orange toboggan on and i had orange on and we were supposed to go up this hillside, and I said, I'm going to go to the right. You go to the left. And I went up, straight up, and I shot at a squirrel and then realized I had grabbed the wrong. I have two 22 Marlins, and one of which was not sighted in. So the whole hunt, I'm just missing everything. Um, but the I shot, and I hit the tree. The squirrel runs off. And her head, she comes around the tree looking at me. And I'm like, what are you doing? Um, so my mom like is always horrified of all the stories that we come back with. We haven't done one of those. We used to do those religiously. We'd go, um, I would travel down for Thanksgiving, and we, me and her would go squirrel hunting together. And it's it always created some hilarious stories. We once The other day, we were telling this story, too, just recently, so it's top of mind. We went up to go squirrel hunting, and there's – we, we drove the four-wheeler from my parents' house. We drove for like 30 minutes to get up to this spot. It was a long drive. And I parked in this row of mountain olives. And I, I'm like, we'll find the four-wheeler. Like, I, I know where we are. You're in the dark, right? <laughs> and we get out and we walk. And I didn't realize how far we had walked. And we lost the four-wheeler when we went to go find it. Well, early in that uh, day, she realized she had had her turkey choke on her gun. She would forgotten to take it off from turkey season and uh, lost it. And we had been walking for four hours. And I'm like, well, it's just gone. And she's like, I don't know. I think it might have fallen off, like, while we were walking on the trail. I'm like, okay, but we walked half a mile on this muddy – I mean, it's like water everywhere. And we were walking back, and she's like, I just wish I could find my turkey choke. And she stops where we are, 
bends straight down and takes one shot in the hand in the mud, like up to her wrist, and comes up with her turkey choke. And it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, we walked for four hours, and she only, like... The one puddle The one, the one, this is the only time she tried this. She just reached down and pulled it up, and I, like, lost my mind as if Kentucky had won the national championship. I'm like, <laughs> Had she around. removed the turkey choke, and then it, like, fell it out fell, of a pocket I don't or remember. It, at some point. Because I'm more amazed at how it f- came off the gun, if it came I think, off of a I gun. Think, well, yeah, we realized she off. had it, and, and she had taken it off. Okay, uh, that makes more sense. But she had dropped it somewhere, yeah. and we didn't know where. This was, like on the walk back we're like oh the turkey choke's gone or mm-hmm. something like that you know and we were walking through ruts that were just you know eight inches of water at times and the one spot that she reached down grabbed mm-hmm. it you know so anyways stocking stuffers on gumbroker gumbroker.com that's gonna catch on you know and the menards is gonna sue me for the the like hey that's actually our sound and but, then you know. gunbroker will just buy menards and become a powerhouse of home improvement and Firearms, firearms and firearm accessories. You could, yeah, there's a really good story. Yeah, you can like stores used to be build yeah. build, build yeah. Uh, DIY gun shelves. Nobody does that anymore. You know, yeah. did, did you guys grew up up here? Did you have on trucks like? Did people go to school with gun, rifle racks in the back of the truck? Was that a thing growing yeah, up here? I remember well because my my grandparents kind of lived in the country back then. It was more country than it is now. Um, there was always shotguns and rifles across truck windows yeah i mean when you'd get like just directly outside of louisville you'd see it a lot more but yeah, by the time i was going not through school city. like not in yeah louisville. i we there would be people that would have the racks but no guns on them yeah you'd see a lot of fishing rods because i was yeah i was like post columbine yeah you know era school yeah i um not everyone's as old as you Brad. Well, you're the same age as me uh, yeah i was gonna say you and i are the same age jacob's a couple years older than us yep. um jacob's the old man he's the old man i thought about something today i'm oh, sorry no, go ahead no i had nothing he got served the other day i did get oh served. yeah <laughs> someone Holding held the, the door, door. <laughs> someone held the door over yeah. here you go sir and he's Thank like you, sir. Oh, he's a respectful okay. young man that's uh, all right i don't know why on the way to work today i was thinking about the fact that my first car was a 1989 and if you told Braden and Jackie on our team that fact, they would probably picture a Model T. Like, in <laughs> yeah. <their mind>. yeah. <laughs> this is what he drove. My first car, so technically it was a 1972 Super Beetle Volkswagen. <clears throat> Me and my dad bought to fix up. But the first car I actually drove was a 1991 Caprice Classic that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, like we, the old oh, yeah. cop car yeah, style. Yeah, we, we <clears throat> abused that thing. It was small towns. We didn't have stuff to do, so – like we would hit shopping carts full speed with it, and they'd just roll over the top of the car. Yep. Um, Blake had an old Camry that we would play literal car tag, where you actually had to hit the other person's car. It was insane. We used to jump it. There's a picture of me with all four wheels of that thing off the ground. I have seen that. Sixty-five photo. miles yeah. per hour. I was so stupid. And Blake's, child. Blake is standing <laughs> like if I did not turn, he would have been dead. But uh, yeah, we absolutely abused that thing. It's awesome. It was a good car. Anyways, uh, so we had. I know this end of the table, me and Dan got out and did some hunting this weekend. And I only had, so I went out to my urban spot, suburban spot. And um, I told Braden before I went out, it's like, I think I'm going to move because where I'm hunting, like I have full permission, all my rights to do it. But I am also, you know, 20 yards behind me starts someone's fence, which was no big deal when I had foliage, but all that's dropped off. And then I hadn't really thought about it until I was hunting archery modern gun because then I had to wear orange. And I'm like, they're going to look out here and they can't not see me, right? And I'm like, 
it's not that it matters, but you see so many videos these days of hunter harassment and, and I'm like, I'm just thinking of all the, I'm like, they could see me and they could start calling and complaining about it and I could end up losing my spot or they could start blasting music. They could, they could come out here and assault me. And then Braden's like, oh yeah, I saw a guy, a video of a guy, same situation. And this guy runs up on it with them with an AR uh-huh. telling them that they can't shoot deer or their, their bows near his house. He doesn't want arrows flying in his yard, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to deal with any of that. So I hunted my last, I was out there for a morning hunt, which I have only done one other time. Uh, it's kind of rolling the dice cause the deer aren't really out there in the morning. Like I, I have cameras, I have now two cameras out there where they're coming in. So I got pretty good coverage of where they're coming in from cause it's about 150 yard stretch and they're just really, they're very rarely have they been out there early. So I knew I was kind of taking a chance, but the, they're also not as patterned right now. So I was like, maybe, especially on, a, I did the Sunday. I'm like, it'll have been calm for two days out there. Maybe I'll get something coming in. I've seen them more out there in the morning recently on camera, but I mean, we're talking like every eight days or something. So I was like, I'll hunt this. And then after that, I'm going to move my sticks. Cause I, I've left my sticks out there all season. And so I moved to the other side, um, after that hunt, I'll, I'll, I'll be hunting on the far corner, which is where the, that do have a quality buck that I'm pretty sure is the, one of the ones I passed on a couple of times, um, coming in and I'm like, maybe I'll catch him, but he's also been like three hours after shooting light. He's coming in kind of night, but, uh, I hunted, I, I sat out there for three hours and, nine o'clock was my, I was like, I'm going to come down at nine. Cause uh, you know, again, I've got the cameras. I know they've, they've mostly been out here at sunrise if they're in here in the morning. And I had been listening to a book, um, one earbud and I'm pulling it, I'm getting ready to take it all of my stuff apart so I can get down and I look out and I see the white, white area around the eyes of a doe coming in, no antlers. And <laughs> I knew, man, I got up there and the wind had shifted. The wind was blowing to where it wouldn't have hit them until my shot. And I'm like, you know what? That might work out because they're going to stop, right? They'll stop at my spot to see what that smell is. They're going to be alerted towards my direction, but like, it's not the worst thing in the world, right? Like I could, I could deal with that. I think I might even be able to get them before they hit my scent wall. Well, like at shooting light, the, the wind just goes and shifted right back into where they've been. <clears throat> like I'm, it's on the trail that they're coming in. And I'm like, I don't know. Almost every deer that I've seen, coming in that smells me like if they've hit my scent wall they still come in because they're so used to smelling people say, i feel like out there I, they wouldn't be bothered by it. yeah and and i've had that especially when in october i could not believe in october they would smell it they would kind of perk up jump back and kind of freak out for a few seconds and then within 60 seconds they were coming back they're like yeah i smell people all the time no big deal or smell whatever that is all the time right um this deer like literally did the most amazing magic trick and vanished. I mean, like I never heard it again. I, it, it was as if it was like snap, it was gone. And so I don't, it had to have smelled me. Maybe it saw me pick up my bow. I don't think so. Cause I had tree coverage and my bag was there and I, I did it, you know, fairly good. I don't, it wasn't like a rush job or anything. And I waited on it. I waited for another 15 minutes and I thought it would come out on the other side. And usually when they do that, they work their way back down to where I am. But I, that was it for me. So I moved, I got down, moved my stuff. I tried one tree and I only had three sticks cause that's what I've been using. I forgot my other stick at home. So I went back and set up on one tree and like just the way the slant was like, 
I look over because it, 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 I was the tree was in a dip. So I get up and I'm like eye level with where <laughs> they're coming out. So I'm like, yeah, that's not gonna work. And I had no coverage on that tree at all. So I moved back to a, a walnut tree, and I think I think that's gonna work because there's some real thick gnarly brush right below. So they won't see me coming out at least. They won't be able to have a little bit of movement coverage. We'll see. At this point, I had already decided. I was like, I on the drive there. I'm like, I am shooting whatever like I, i'm not worried about my buck tag anymore it's it's a it's getting cold which for like archery you know keeping a, enough to where i'm like mobile on my hands and my wrist and i know like i don't want to be shooting a bow in 20 degrees it's i just it's gonna be like shaky and i don't know i just feel like that's not going to be a good experience for me i'm probably going to whiff another shot so i was like i'm going to shoot whatever get some venison in the freezer chalk this year up to being greedy um you know because i passed on some good bucks that i should probably shouldn't have at this point um but now I've, i feel like i've got a good understanding of how they're using that property throughout the year like uh I, I monitored them from august to now so i know when the ramp up is i think i'm gonna try to get a velvet buck out there next year because you know tip in the past and i may have talked about this but like in the past where i was if I'd shot a deer and it took an hour to find it or even 30 minutes to find it. And then I got to walk 20 minutes back out to get my car loaded up. Like in 90 degree weather, it would have been a bit of a rush to try to get, like I, w- I wouldn't have felt too comfortable with that. And then I got to get it back and process it. And that's another 35 minute drive. Um, so here I'm like, well, dude, I am 15 minutes from home, literally two minutes from a gas station, throw some ice in that cavity. I could do this. So I might try to uh, try to get a velvet next year. Um, they were in velvet until early October here on the yeah. camera where I was. So <clears throat> yeah. very doable. So uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna go for it. The other thing next year, I just got to shoot a doe first. I like got to get that out of my system. That way, I'm not sitting in this. Like if I'd done that now, I wouldn't. Even, I'd probably be like, okay, I'm feeling better about it. I've got meat. But now the pressure's on. The deer volume has. Compl- I can't believe the difference from like I was seeing deer out there all summer. Uh, when we were fishing and then October was insane. I talked on the podcast. I was like a Tark bus or a, 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 a bus, a Metro bus was dropping these deer off. I had 17 deer in the field at one night and then the rut hit and I've just never seen anything like it. I mean, the, the volume of deer changed so hard. So, and they, those deer might be getting, you know, depending on how big their area is, they might be getting hunted on neighboring properties. They are. I'm sure there are. Cause well, I ran into poachers not too far from where this site is two years ago. Uh, but I'm sure there's, well, actually the other night when I was driving out, there were people walking. There's a, there's about a 25 acre lot for sale out by the highway that you probably know where I'm talking about. Yep. Uh, yeah. And there were people out in that field looking with headlamps and I'm like, somebody's probably hunting that. They're trying to find, they're trying to do some recovery. Um, but I'm sure there's people that hunt. It's low pressure. Honestly, their biggest risk is probably just cars, mm. you know, in that area. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen any of my biggest bucks back on camera, but I'm still, I don't think that's, I'm not too concerned about that. I think there'll be good bucks back in there next year. This isn't a situation where the deer population's low and, where I'm hunting has good, you know, it's got good food, it's got water, it's protected, it's low pressure. It's right next to a huge property, a couple huge properties that um, even if they're hunted, that's still like a couple hunters per, you know, 100 acres in this area. <clears throat> so I feel good about it for next year. I just really want to get some venison, though, because I've motored through. I was trying to clean out my freezer, so we were going, like, I've, I've been hammering everything. Like, I cooked, I found three deer hearts that I hadn't cooked. 
and I cooked all those. I've been like motoring all my stuff to, to, you know, we did, I found some backstrap from last year that I've forgotten about. Like I've been doing all of it. And I'm like, now I'm down to like my last 20 pounds of venison. Maybe I probably got more than that, but anyways, that was my, my weekend, man. What'd you do? I did my quota hunt. So I had two quota hunts this year. Uh, they're the only two hunts I was planning on doing. You know, last year, I, uh, Jacob and I tried scouting another property and I went and did a hunt in another property where I was like, all right, these two quota hunts should be enough with my schedule. I've had kind of a busy, my, my goal for this year was scouting more, which I scouted land between the lakes hard and it was helpful. Um, but I was also trying to wrap up that shower and I didn't get that done till right before deer season. So I was just like, okay, these two quota hunts will be it. So the land between the lakes one, uh, my strategy was to try to go in so far that I didn't have to worry about other hunters, which kind of was a pain in the butt, uh, to get out to, which meant it would have been a pain in the butt to drag a deer out of. So I was passing on does like you. I was like, well, I'll, I'll shoot a buck. That'll be worth dragging out of here and I'll pass on a doe and then I've got Taylorsville for a doe well here comes Taylorsville <coughs> and kind of long story short I didn't see uh anything nothing I saw, I, well I saw two does which you kind of already know about because I texted you guys the night that I saw the two does run out of the field um but I was like laying between the lakes I was trying so hard to stay away from other hunters that I was just making it harder for myself and there was really not a lot of other hunters nearby so I'm like I just can't worry about that I just need to hunt what I think is going to be the best spot that is somewhat remote that's not going to get a lot of pressure but isn't so far that's going to be a pain to drag deer out of um and uh so I hunt this cornfield that we hunted turkey at in the spring, and there was no corn there. I don't, I don't think they used it for corn last season. Thinking back on that, it didn't seem like a cornfield. Yeah, it didn't look like land corn. With corn. No, I asked the park ranger because we had to check in, and I go, hey, so there's a cornfield here now? And he goes, yeah, this, there's a guy, and we leased out all those fields mm. at, along the Salt River. We did a five-year lease with him to plant corn. And I go, oh, he hasn't harvested it yet. And he goes, yeah, he usually doesn't harvest it till, uh there's snow on the ground. And I'm like, so I guess it's like feed corn. Feed, yeah. 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 Um, so uh, that makes it more difficult because from what I understand, deer will just post up in that corn and not leave except maybe to get water in the middle of the night. They'll bed down in the corn and then just stand up and just munch their way from the center of the corn out. So the first day, well, I get there the first day. This, it was a very public land experience. I get there the first day. There's one other truck at this area, at the parking lot for this area. And I was talking with him. He came up and we're comparing notes on where we're going to go. He was actually going to go to the same marsh area that I was. And I'm like, well, I'll go further down. And um, we were talking in there. I noticed he didn't have any, like, a saddle or a climbing stand or anything. I go, so are you hunting from the ground? He goes, yeah. I'm like cool and i put on my orange vest and he goes wait are you shooting a gun here and i go yeah it's the quota hunt this weekend and he goes oh i'm shooting a bow well we should say it's outside of the normal rifle season right it is outside of the normal rifle season and taylorsville lake you usually can't shoot a gun at um 
and I got the sense that this guy, this was like his spot. So he's probably been coming every weekend, you know, doing the <laughs> bone air. But he's like, oh, I don't have any Hunter Orange. So I gave him, I had a Go Wild hat and vest in the truck. So I gave it to him. I'm like, hey, where are those things? like, thanks. He's like, okay, I'll go over here. I'm like, good luck. And I'm like, oh, so I guess they didn't advertise that well. And then walking in, there's a big sign that says, Saturday and Sunday, quota hunt. Only drawn hunters allowed on this WMA. Oh. So. so so I don't know. We were talking about, I said, you know, if he's wearing Hunter Orange and he feels like shooting a bow and arrow, I don't see why it would be a big deal. I kind of viewed that sign more as, hey, don't be walking your dog through this. Yeah, but do you think he had, could he hunt there? I don't think he could have. They were talking about this. Well, the the way that that interpret, the way I interpret that is, it's only open for people who drew right. quota tags. That's know? kind of what I how how I viewed it too. But also, um, I just kind of viewed it more as you just don't want uh, random people walking yeah. around underwear. Okay. I mean, the other thing hunting? too, though, it, it it is open under statewide archery for public hunting and that's still in season so i don't know it's that's it's a kind phone of a call area. to the I don't state know. to get it's clarification yeah and also it's like good luck buddy like if you really <coughs> want to be out here shooting a bow with a ton of pressure from rifle people that's on you but anyway so it was a really foggy morning it was it rained friday so saturday morning it was very foggy and i go out to the marshlands and it's just like all like the moors of scotland just all fog and i'm trying i didn't pick out a tree when i'd scouted at a trail cam set up that was getting does during the day in one little forky like the saddest little forky during the day so i'm like okay there's act deer activity during the day so i find a tree set up kind of got my onyx and my watch and i'm like okay so this should be over here and the sun comes up and i'm on the wrong side of the tree i'm like sun comes up you know how the sun comes up and you start getting your bearings and you're like Wait, so that's not the creek. And I'm like, I look behind me. I'm like, oh, I'm facing the wrong way. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the sun's up, so they're coming up. So it's not like, not like I'm going to try to swing my platform around. So I'm constantly looking behind me. But I don't see anything. Uh, also, I'd lost my flashlight in the morning. It was very nice. Olight flashlight, my favorite brand of flashlight that I'd just gotten like two months ago. So I'm like, okay, I'll break down. I'll go back to the truck and look for my flashlight because I feel like I dropped it up there. Found my flashlight. When I went up to the truck, everyone else had gone. No other hunters up there. Um, I did hear while I was on on the in the saddle someone squirrel hunting. I think so. It sounded like a twenty two, and I was hearing a shot every five minutes. So <laughs> I probably heard six or seven shots. So I'm like, I think that guy's squirrel hunting. Oh, and I should say, I got out of my saddle when I knew it's time to get out of my saddle. Was I was sitting there, and then I saw a hunter walk down. I was hoping deer would get bumped into me from the parking lot and then i saw a hunter walk down in the distance i'm like okay i guess there's no deer getting bumped so then i set up on the edge of this cornfield just hoping by where the salt river and tailorsville lake meet and there's a little eddy of water um like a little pond right at the edge of the field maybe 20 yards from the edge of the cornfield and there's a well-worn uh path deer path through the brush so i sit up on the corner left side of me is the cornfield right side of me is uh underbrush bedding going into deep woods and then straight in front of me is uh, a little pond and then the salt river and i could tell that there was deer traveling uh, obviously i didn't know what time or if i'd see anything during the day but i sat up there put down my scent 
tinks all along there, some scent bombs, try to draw anything into me. Uh, set up, I'm in the tree for like an hour, and I see movement on the edge of the cornfield. And I'm like, what is that? And I look, and I see black. And I see, like, fluorescent green. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is that? And it's a dude and his girlfriend walking down the path with a fishing rod <laughs> to, <laughs> to fish the thing. So they go to turn into the thing, and I yell, and I'm like, hey, guys, you know there's a, a quota hunt going on this weekend? And they're like, no, I didn't realize that. And it's like, oh, there's a big big sign on the gate you walk by saying only drawn hunters in, in this area. And I wasn't trying to be rude, but it was more like, you're not wearing hunter orange. Right, and safety And there's thing. hunters <clears throat> like all. Yeah. And he was apologetic, and he's like, oh, sorry, and left. And I'm like, cool. Uh, so then I'm set up there, and I actually got a video, and if – you're listening i'm going to try to get Braden to upload this video onto a youtube short if you want to see it but pretty much i'm um in this let's see so there's the cornfield there's the path there's the underbrush to the right and then up ahead this is like water going through so dan's looking at a cornfield and you can see off in the brush and then see some um, some motion, and I'm like, "What is that motion?" And and it looks like a guy. <laughs> it's a, a guy. dude. It's a dude with uh, is that a, he's fishing? He's, fishing. he's fly fishing. <laughs> yeah, through the trees with no orange <laughs> at all. No orange. So so that's my shooting path, and he's <laughs> right here, and and the wind's in my face, so I know he's yeah. he his scent is just going oh, yeah. directly up and i'm like Probably okay like this is covered in axe body spray yeah so i left um cigarettes mountain dew yeah i left <clears throat> hey, don't knock cigarettes mountain dew that's what gets me through my hunt um, <laughs> that's why you're not seeing <laughs> uh that's my best wind indicator is yeah. a cigarette Okay, let's go that I way. I knew a guy who once claimed you can't kill deer unless you're smoking cigarettes. So go on. Everything I read was <laughs> that deer don't care about cigarettes, and, and I I get weird about butts, and I'll put butts in a Ziploc bag or double Ziploc bag, but the smoke, um, I don't know about. I I don't think they're out there. Like that's Marlboro. <laughs> <laughs> that should be some Marlboro marketing. Like <laughs> deer, deer love Marlboro <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> I, I saw a guy smoking one time. a camel. I'm not going near him. <laughs> I don't remember if this is on Go Wild or in an Instagram thread or something. But I saw a guy one time advocating. He's like, "No, deer love menthol," and he swore by smoking menthols when he was when he was I hunting. Bet, I bet someone's gotten ten million dollars from the government to do a test on do deer like cigarette smell. I don't know. There's probably been studies on it. But anyways, so I left my my sticks in that same (coughs) spot, uh, generally just because I I don't like trying to find a tree. Wait, you moved again because of this guy? No, I stayed there till sundown. He left. I was aware of him, and I was watching him, and I just knew. He left maybe an hour before the end of shooting light. Um, So, I mean, the spot was kind of chalked but i didn't have enough time to move somewhere else i mean you never know man i mean we always get you always get in your head of like they've ruined my hunt but if deer are on the move and that if deer deer are in the corn or just 15 minutes away and they're walking they don't know that that guy was there the other thing is that area sees a lot of fishing traffic yeah and i there's just like your spot there's probably an element of where they're used to human scent but still gets in your head i mean they definitely get used to seeing humans i was running the other day two miles from here 
and I I almost had to like push a deer out of the way. Now yeah. this is this is the most urban. Was, if you were where I think you are, I mean, there's so many deer. Yeah, yeah. There, they're they're they're. I mean, the biggest deer I've seen in Kentucky are are two miles from the office yeah. here. And but I I have had two instances recently. This doe, I had to like go around her because I thought she would run, <laughs> but I could have like pushed her off the path. And then the other day, I ran up on a buck. This was max rut, like peak rut. And he was scraping the ground, snorting, and I watched him piss on the ground. And there was a doe with him. And I, I was like, oh, this is. I'm gonna send this to my bud, hunting buddies because uh, he was like a small eight point. And I get my phone out, and I, I'm like doing the dumb thing of like running. I kind of just jog up, assuming he's gonna run. And I get unsafely close to this thing like thinking he would have ran and this then i'm like yeah i'm like i'm gonna get gored because i'm running up on this thing with his doe standing here and he looked at me he's like no Mm-mm. and i was like you know what i, I couldn't get the camera out because i had running gloves on uh but he they, they're so used to the traffic and i think you get a lesser version of that probably where you were you should tell your uh parkland story once we get done with this hunting story mm. what you found in the woods yeah. um it's a dead body but uh it was a dead body was. spoiler <laughs> alert <laughs> um so i left my sticks there came back in the morning same spot because uh, it was a good tree uh okay so this was day one this, this was day all one. day one this was the afternoon of day one okay and then uh, go out there in the morning. No other hunters there at that spot day two. Uh, and I get up in the tree and I only sit there for like maybe till nine o'clock. Sun's up at seven thirty, and I was there till nine o'clock. And then I was just like, I don't want to risk more fisher people. It's just unsafe, man. Like if I didn't see that dude, if I didn't happen to see that dude, if he was in a spot, he could have very easily been shot. He was only one hundred fifty yards. Only 150 yards from me. Um, So day two, or so day two afternoon, I get in my car, I drive over onto the river road, and there's all these fields. And we had scouted, uh, Amanda and I had gone out and scouted, and there's a salt river, and I was going to try to cross the salt river, and it was just really sketchy at night. Like there was a bunch of deep holes, and when I say deep holes, I mean like two-foot deep holes. Uh, there were some paths to do it, but it was very much like, you know, I hunt by myself. So I'm like, I don't want to do this in the morning, you know, with a headlamp and risk tripping and busting my head and drowning in an inch of water or whatever. So I wasn't super keen on it, but now it's like, it's sun's up. I can do this during the sun up and deal with it. And then on the other side of this creek, there were these fields that were, we could see were all just overgrown. That used to be fields. Derek said at one point they used to flood them and make them Mm. ducky, but they're all overgrown. So I go over there, and once I get to the other side of the creek, uh, they were overgrown. And then on the far side of the overgrown, they were actually cleared, and corn was planted, and corn was harvested. Mm. So there was a cut corn field. So I'm like, cool. So I like walk out and I'm looking for deer and I look and there's a blind right in front of me. I'm like, crap. So I wanted to go to the woods on the other side of this field. And I'm like, I'm gonna have to cut around this, um, this blind. So I go between the Creek and the overgrowth I'm walking. And I'm like, if I bump anything out of this overgrowth into that field, I'm hitting the deck (laughs) because I know that there's a blind between that deer and me. Uh, or a blind, uh, that deer would be between the blind and me, so someone would be shooting in my direction. But don't see anything, see a ton of deer sign, ton of scrapes, go out to the woods, really great path. 
Um, and so my setup in the woods is two hills meet in a valley where the valley opens up into the cornfield. I'm in the woods right at the bottom of one of the hills. So I can kind of see up into the valley. On the left side of me, there's a creek. There's about 50 yards of of pretty open woods, and then it's cornfield. So I can see the cornfield. I can actually see the parking lot uh, from my saddle. In front of me, so the direction I'm facing, slightly to the left, so the left side's the cornfield. Up in front, I know the blind is about 200 yards up that way. And I know, because I can see... 200 maybe 150 yards in front of me that any deer coming out I would shoot before it got to him and then there's a down valley and then up into so I'm not worried about him shooting into the woods but I know he'll be shooting anything in the cornfield so I'm also cognizant if I see something in the cornfield if I don't want to get into a little bit of a tiff maybe not shoot something in the cornfield like the woods are my area cornfields his area uh so I don't see anything all day. I got there, set up at 11, and just was a little panda bear in the tree for koala five bear. or six koala hours. Koala, yeah, bear koala, koala bear in it. Um, for anyone that hasn't listened to that episode, Dan has a strategy to, to rest where he hugs the tree like yeah. a koala bear in his I just saddle. take my feet totally off the platform, one foot on either side of the tree. What? Just face. Yeah. I missed this. I, I, yeah, you didn't hear yeah. that? That's so how I that's I've how tried I, this because he's he swears by it and it yeah. is so not comfortable. Yeah. I'll just arms crossed. I think you have to have like Dan's body build for this. Maybe. To work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he's basically a monkey. Yeah. So. yeah. And then and then I'm just full weight in the saddle and then just Now I will do that where I'm I'm leaning up against the saddle, but my, I'm still my my legs are not hugging the tree like you apparently yeah. do. My legs don't necessarily hug the tree they just kind of are on either side of the yeah. tree like i'm not using force on my legs but usually I'm just, if oh, i'm my, in that position it's like i'm kind of getting at the end of my wit like i'm I'm like kind of done my full weight is on is on the saddle yeah and and i'm not touching the platform all at right all. speed your story up here it's, uh, <coughs> okay so the good stuff so yeah. we've talked for two minutes about so i don't see anything <laughs> end, end of story no so uh Sun goes down, and this Salt River is just a huge series of fields. Some of them have standing corn. This one has cut corn. Some of them are just left to, you know, fallow or whatever. And I don't hear any shots from anyone. And driving in, I pass all sorts of trucks. So I know there's hunters all over, everywhere. I don't hear any shots. About sun goes down 15 minutes, so there's still 15 minutes left to shoot and light. And all of a sudden, I just hear crack and i'm like oh you know you get that kind of oh shoot like am i am i dead <laughs> yeah. yeah or like i just forgot that that yeah, yeah. that there, oh, you weren't expecting a gunshot when a gunshot goes off close to you you're so crack and then immediately after another crack and i'm like oh it's that blind he's shooting at something and i'm you know i'm facing where the blind is and i can see the cornfield so i start towards him and just scan the cornfield and a hundred yards behind me in the cornfield, I can see two does that have just stepped out right up against the back of the the field tree line, run into the woods. And he's 150, 200 yards in front of me. So that was a 350 you yard measured, shot. You measured it. That was like 380 yards, wasn't it? It was crazy. So 350 yard shot 
of deer, and he still had time for those deer to come up into the field. I mean, there's still 15 minutes. For the record, <clears throat> anybody listening to this that hunts out west is like, oh, no big deal, right? Yeah. But the thing is, deer hunters out here don't practice you don't do that, that shot. No. Nobody practices that <laughs> they shot. They don't practice. They don't they have They side it. in at 100. You're going to shoot a deer at 40, and that's it, yeah. right? Like, what's your longest shot, Derek, uh, that you take? In, in the taken? east here with a rifle probably was about a 60-yard poke. Yeah, and my that, longest. That was a poke here. Yeah. yeah. I I think the longest deer I've, I've shot here is 112 yards, and it was toothpicks. 90 uh, this year. 90, yeah. 90. I've done an 80. Like, usually it's 40 yards. Yeah. yeah. That's a crazy – like – Nobody practices for that shot in the East. So No. Uh, So I was like, oh, man, that was interesting to shoot at those. Like, I wouldn't even shot. Yeah, I'm like, interesting. So then um, as soon as the shots go off, within 20 seconds, I see a flashlight. I can't see the blind, but I can see the flashlight coming through the trees. And that's just selfish, in my opinion. And so I think he's looking, flashlighting to see if he can see the deer still in the field or whatever. Oh, that's interesting. And then 10 seconds later, he's out of the blind, walking across the field with a headlamp, looking at his feet. And I can tell he's looking for blood, but he's coming towards me. uh, Well, not coming towards me, parallel to me. And, you know, he's 150 yards away from where the deer were. He has no idea where he shot. He has no no idea what range those deer were at. He thinks that they were right there. And so he's looking for a blood trail. And then he gets not even in line with me, still 100, 150 yards from where the deer were, and just kind of shrugs and walks back to his blind. So not only has any other hunt, myself and any other hunter, you know, spoiled the end of our hunt, but uh, walks back to his blind. And I was planning on when I got out of the saddle, I didn't want to yell at him when they're still shooting. I'd be like, oh, they're further down. But I'm like, they're still going to be looking for this deer. Right. Uh, and I'm going to be like, hey, I was in the saddle over here in the woods. And they were actually like, they ran into the woods back. They're actually this another way. 100 yards. Though. Yeah. Uh, so shooting light ends, I get out of the saddle, uh, pack up my bag, put on my backpack. And as I pack up my backpack, I can see the parking lot, even though it's 500 yards away, through the cornfield over and whatever. And they're already in the in the I see the headlights of their car because they were parked right next to me and they're already taken off. So w- <laughs> one thing about your story tells me that they don't hunt much. Do you know what it is? Uh, no. What? It's that they popped up a blind in the middle of a field. Any deer hunter knows. Anybody that turkey hunts even. If you do that, the deer know that 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 is there. Like they know it wasn't. They probably there did it on Friday. Yeah, and the but deer. I mean, dude, I can't tell you how many times in turkey hunting I've had deer come up and start blowing at me because that blind wasn't there yesterday. Right, but if you set up the blind that day, and your strategy is when the deer are still three hundred fifty yards <laughs> away, but before they can even recognize my point this is, blind, a guy that doesn't care about the fact that that, that like deer would be hyper aware of this blind that showed up. Yeah. Probably did not side in for 400 yard shots. No, it, <laughs> it was very, it was very, it was a very hunting. I hadn't had the experience before. No one told us that hunting public can be. You experienced frustrating. why a, a mature buck on public land is such an accomplishment. Like, yes. because of that. Yes, <clears throat> it, it, it was, uh, it was eye opening. So struck out and struck out for the season. But I feel pretty good. I feel a lot better than I did last year as far as getting better you know this is only my second season hunting and i'm definitely getting a lot better at understanding deer and deer movement it's still just the unknown element we gotta get you in a bow next year it's coming i am bank of amanda's approved the loan Uh, okay so what'd you get well i'm it's gonna be in april 
Oh, okay. April, I'll, I'll get something. Cool. Um, it'll be a bear of some sort, probably some bear ready to hunt. Yeah. Set up. Um, it's just it. Well, and you heard my story. I, if I wasn't an idiot, like I had, you, the deer movement's just so much better before gun season. Yeah, and I like being warm, as you guys know. I have a fireplace in my office here. Go <laughs> wild. It's true. Uh, warm. And you like being sweltering. Yeah, and the, wor- <laughs> and the worst thing about. Um, being a gun hunter is it's so cold. That mm. and the fact that it gets dark at five. It wasn't this it year. It was like fifty degrees. Yeah, it weekend. was not cold this year. Yeah, this wasn't as bad. I got a little chilly this weekend, but last season when it was so yeah, sleek. it was. Real. I never even broke out my my big layers this year. I didn't it was either. Real bad. Although I I did finally wear my new. Um, I bought um, oh, a, yeah. a, a, a wool. Uh, hoodie, King of the Mountain. Uh, no, it wasn't or? that one. It was, uh, gosh, now I wish I could remember the brand. So yeah. I could give it. maybe while Jacob tells that, that story, that was quick. from your bear it's hunting. Like a, yeah, the yeah. Chris Powell told Handmade me about them. one or whatever. Yeah, 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 dude. They're so the, the quality's so nice. It's got a kangaroo pocket, which is awesome for mm. the saddle because a lot of the stuff that you in the saddle you can't get to your pockets very well, mm. and that kangaroo pocket is right there, super easy to get to. The 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 pouch for the your hands is so big that I can get into it really easily, keep warm. Um, I've, I've had it, I've worn it twice this season. I kind of forgot about it. I didn't have it with my hunting stuff cause I got it, uh, after the season and I threw it in a weird spot, but I hunted two days with it and I'm like, I gotta be out every, like the only thing it doesn't do really well is stop the wind. Mm-hmm. I should have had a wind layer on under it yesterday. Um, yesterday was one of those. It was like, it felt 15 degrees colder yeah. than it was. Yeah. Um, the wind was cutting me. It started mm-hmm. raining. Um, so I would have liked to have had a, a, another layer on under it, but like the, it holds warmth really well. And what, what I was so impressed with, with Chris, it's tough. Like we were bushing, like pushing through all that laurel and everything. Remember that gray one he had on mm-hmm. and, it, and it's like all that water's hitting him and just wicking off of him immediately. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. So I bought basically like what Chris had, but the hoodie version, I'll look up the brand here in a second. Tell people what you ran. I want to hear the story real quick of like what happened to you this weekend. Yeah. So I actually I got a phone call when we were about two minutes into the podcast, and it's Fish and Wildlife So you did back. call? I was I, wondering well, I, if you were going to do that. They have an online uh, form that you can submit, yeah. and I did that. So I go out to what I would consider a city park. Um, it's Louisville's lucky. We have this really cool privately owned park system that's open to the public, and it kind of interlaces through most of east, southeast part of Louisville. If Louisville is a clock. It runs from three to six. Yeah. Yeah. So It's huge. I, we go over there with the kids all the time. We hike, we fish. Uh, I trail run out there, which is what I was doing this weekend. And <clears throat> I'm 10 minutes back into the woods from where my kids play soccer. Like, this is a very trafficked area, but it's kind of surrounded by, you know, uh, a little bit more suburban farm e uh, private land. And I'm on this trail at the very back of the trail from the trailhead. And I see a clump of vultures. I'm like, that's got to be a dead deer. I knew like instantly. So I go off the trail, start walking up towards them. They blow out of there. And then I see like a large set of antlers. I'm like, holy cow. So I keep walking up the hill. He's puffed up. He stinks. His eyeballs are popping out of his head. So he's been there for a couple of days. Um, I didn't check him. I didn't flip him over because one, I didn't want him to pop while I'm turning his head. And I didn't see any any wounds on the side that was up, but I just assumed this this 
this boy got shot at and then the somebody in the private land nearby lost him yeah i know a lot of people do hunt for those private land areas just yeah. right around that area well and what's crazy like i wish i know why on x and mapping apps don't have phone numbers on there but if if i could literally just like hey if you guys hunt and you lost a deer i think i know i would want someone yeah. to do that for mm-hmm. me um but this thing had bases close to a beer bottle. They This was the largest base deer that I have seen in person. Really nice, eight-point, wide, tall tines, really nice mature deer, which is even more reason why I think somebody shot at it. Uh, yeah, there's a chance he could have gotten injured, fighting, rut, whatever. But based on how he was puffed up, I would assume he had been out there a week, tied in great with, with rifle season. Um, and so I, when I got back to the truck, I, well, one, I'm, you know, I'm a mile and a half or so from my truck. I will be running with a hacksaw from now on, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, this is not a place where you could run out with a deer head. You, you'd get antlers and that's it. But you know, it's, it's, like I said, it's 10, 15 yards from the trail. So there's a lot of city folk that go out there and hike and do stuff. So I wanted to let the park system know, so I I called them and left the voicemail, and then also submitted a form with with Fish and Wildlife to let them know it's there, um, so they can go check it out if they want to. And it, you know, it's it's funny. I I texted a buddy of mine and showed him the pictures because he's he's from this similar area and knows the spot. And his kids play soccer out there, and he's like awful hunter. And then I started thinking about. It, I'm like, dude, I missed two deer this year. Yeah. It is not. I know. F- buddies this year that have lost deer like it is not hard for it to happen um and i i kind of had like this moment of it sucks that that deer got wasted quote unquote but at the same time like i totally get it with stuff that happened this year and Mm -hmm. and why some people just don't find their deer but yeah I, i wish i had a good way or even fish and wildlife had a database of i was hunting in this area i lost a deer that i shot and then you could report it cool. so they could try to match them back up. Like, yeah, there has to be some vetting that goes on with that. Because yeah, I've course. heard instances of people, you know, posting online on some form of social media, hey, I was hunting out in this area, whatever, found a deer, found an elk, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then if someone reaches out to them, then you usually don't, like, post a picture of what you'd found because you don't want people that are just like, oh, I shot a deer out there. Yeah. Yeah, right. You really did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so I actually submitted with Fish and Wildlife's form, they ask you if you have pictures. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, perfect. So I send them in. You know, if it's somebody that has a picture that morning, you know, if it was a kid and their first deer, yeah. like that's, I wish there was an easy way to mm-hmm. match them back up. But And you were talking about hunter harassment, and I could imagine if you thought you wounded it and it ran, you know, into the parkland the system. Park. Yeah. You don't want to be like walking around the woods, being like, "Hey, is that, have any of you guys seen uh, wounded deer?" I don't out know if here? you can recover that deer on the. Well, technically, that. it's private property. Yeah, that's owned what I'm by 21st century. You'd, have to, get, you'd have to get their permission yeah. to recover it. And yeah. So, I mean, it's an awkward position for them because they don't could, know they don't know where you shot it. But though. but it's a public mm. park though. It's it's, mm. it's, it's, a, it's privately it's owned. Private it's, owned. it's privately it's privately owned, but th- you wouldn't be trespassing it's, if not, you walked from your private mm. property onto the park. To well, I mean, technically, you wouldn't be trespassing if you just parked in the parking lot there. It's yeah. open to the public. It's, it's, but that's it, what it's, I mean. It's so a, it's not like yeah, just the law says like if it's private. now if you found it and you wanted to drag it out. That's there. what I'm talking about. Yeah, the yeah. recovery. But that's what I'm saying. Like you're talking about hunter harassment. Could you imagine if you if you oh, found yeah. that deer and it's 
15 foot from a trail and there's people walking and you're like, oh, Dude, that's what I got to get this out That's what I was joking with Liz. You know, it was like running with a hacksaw and cutting the head off. So yeah. You need to walk out with, you know, to <laughs> yeah. pass the soccer you're, fields you're, and all the dog walkers. Yeah, you're like field dressing it. And yeah. You know, like waving at the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there wouldn't have been much field dressing left to do I've got a funny story I'll tell you guys after the podcast. It's not podcast appropriate. <laughs> just right. popped in my head. For, as for things that can be said on the podcast, it's as bull wool. So uh, as bull. Yeah. I, I think I'm, that's how I would say it. A-S-B-U-L? You no, know, see, that's how I would say it. It's uh, It could be as bell, but A-S-B-E-L-L. Um, and it's a husband-wife that, that do, run the business. And a lot of, I don't know if it's made custom to order or not, but I know they like typically that low inventory, like they don't, they don't care mass produce this stuff, but, uh, I think it was like 140 bucks. Well worth it for the quality. I mean, it's infinitely better than most jackets you'd pay for that, that price point. So, all right, we're going to wind this one down. Um, we had Dan, Jacob, Derek, and Brad here. Thank you again to gunbroker.com. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you log in the, the shows, tag us, let us know what you think. Um, you can, you know, give Dan and Brad a hard time for so far getting skunked in this season. Wow, wow. Um, uh, also, if you have, have you posted a picture of your Euro mount yet on Go Wild, Jacob? Mm, no, Jacob's Euro mount. I, I got to see it. Uh, he he had another incredible deer uh, this year. I haven't seen Derek's yet, but uh, I've seen a picture. But uh, are you are you doing a Euro mount on yours? Yeah, yeah. Have to bring it in, and show us. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll get Jacob to post that so you guys can see it. Uh, check out their stories on their trophies. Make sure you log this this podcast to so get points. Go to plus sign log time outdoor podcast. You'll see this show right up top. You can hit the show you listen to and then tag us and, and tell us what you thought. All right, that's it. Thanks, guys.